Blog Talk Radio. Round one. Fight, 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 fight. And welcome, welcome aboard. You have stumbled across the number one internet sports talk show in the world between the hours of 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And welcome to our affiliate radio stations all across this United States of America. Today is a very special day. Why do you ask me? Well, today is the royal wedding, right? And now, and now, what's going on today? No, 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 there's something much bigger, something much bigger going on today, and that is Bump Day at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and this is our special annual Bump Day edition, and I'll tell you what's great about today is that it's an actual Bump Day. How excited are we? We have 35 cars that are going to be on the track. Only 33 can get in. We are going to have a field of 33 by the end of the day tomorrow. Standing by in the balance green room is Matthew Ember. He's going to join me down at the track here right after the show. So make sure you join us on, on Twitter Live and Facebook Live as we'll be doing some live shots from down at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Rick Riggin is in our uh, war room, and he's uh, our executive producer, and he'll be managing that for us. Uh, so we'll have to bring him up to speed on everything, too. Uh, no pun intended. Duh, duh, duh. My name's Saul Mark Wassell, Presidente. Oh, by the way, uh, gambling is now legal in the United States for sports. Imagine that. It's finally here. You can now bet on sports. We'll talk about that later on the show. We'll be right back. It's our special bump edition of The Balance. Tonight. Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim, here. Introducing the new B-Dub Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. 
Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Alright, and welcome back to The Balance. It's the special Bump Day edition. Real quickly, let me explain to you what Bump Day is. I know there's a lot of uh, race fans out there that do know what Bump Day is. It's an Indy 500 tradition. It goes back to uh, the days when we would have multiple cars, more than 33 entries, and only 33 cars can, can get in. So it's the fastest 33 cars. So if you're at that back end, if you're at that 34, 35th, and sometimes 36th car, and you might get bumped. You might qualify, but then you might get bumped. So today's the day when they get down to the 33 uh the uh, uh, cars that will be able to qualify tomorrow. Uh, joining us, though, is our official IndyCar contributor, uh, Matthew Embry from Popular Open Wheel Dow. Happy birthday to you, sir. And it's funny how, you know, how bad the weather looked early right now. We're actually getting some peaks of blue sky right now, uh, Tom, believe it or not, as I watch from the Dakota Plaza. Oh, absolutely, and I'm I'm looking out the uh, the studio window here, and, and the sun is starting to come out. I tell you what, they called for rain all day yesterday, and it did not rain until well into the evening yesterday, so I'm okay with that. So what we're going to do here, we're going to go through all 35 cars, if you will, uh, and certainly we, 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 we may have a, a, a pulse or a feel of who we feel may uh, get bumped, who may not get bumped, but we'll get into that. We're going to go through all of we're going to go through all of the, uh, and I know you're down at the track, so, man, it's good to hear those cars out there. We're going to go through all 33 cars. But real quickly, what we're going to do, I'm going to do is just kind of go through the qualifying process, and we're going to make this real quick. Uh, so ba- basically today is bump day. 
So what happens today is we get the starting uh, field ready to go. At the conclusion of, of the quali qualifications today, the starting field for the 122nd running of the Indianapolis 500 is set. Now, all entries are guaranteed one, qualify, uh, one qualification attempt. You can have multiple attempts are permitted uh, with or without uh, withdrawing previous times. Now, you have uh, positions one through nine. The fastest nine entries are locked into the field in advance of May uh, 20th, which is tomorrow's fast nine shootout. Positions 10 through 33 locked in the field in, in advance of group one and qualifying on the 20th in, in starting order. So you'll have the fast lane, and you'll have lane two. So we'll get into that. So, uh, Matt, uh, let's, let's get, go to you real quickly here. Uh, talk with us a little bit about qualifying for the Indianapolis 500. Well, I think the key right now with the weather being so unpredictable this afternoon is the key is getting everyone through the line. So if it does rain, then we can set a field. And if it rains out again on Sunday, they can go with the field on that. That's the biggest thing right now. You look at the worst-case scenario and try to move up from there. And the worst-case scenario is they just go through the line once, everyone gets qualified, and that sets the field. And then beyond that, we'll see how things play out. But I think that's the biggest concern right now, if you were to ask uh, Kyle Novak, uh, Doug Bowles right now, is getting everyone through the line, at least having one chance to qualify today. Well, I've been out of the track all week, and certainly those that have been following us on social media uh, know that I have tried to keep up on all the action. Uh, did some live tweets, some Facebook lives. Uh, so been out there all week, out there yesterday at Fast Friday. Uh, we did see some speeds, which is becoming the norm, uh, Matt. We did see speeds, several people hitting that 230 mark. So we wonder where we'll be at that pole. Will, will the pole mark be somewhere around that 229 mark? Uh, my guess is going to be around 227. It's going to be our pole speed. What are your thoughts? It's going to take at least one 230 lap. I don't think it's going to take a 230 average, which is a different thing, but I think at least one of your laps has got to be above 230. I think it's going to take a 229 and a half and above to get pole. And right now, the only guy that's been able to do that at this point is uh, Will Power, who ran that 229.7 without the aid of a draft yesterday. And uh, give Elio Castro-Davis, even though, yeah, it's going to be cooler this morning, he ran a 229.5 uh, earlier also without the aid of his brass. So got to say right now, the Penske – and this is the thing that's shocking, Tom. A month ago we were talking about this. What we were talking about, we were talking Honda's going to dominate. Honda's going to dominate. Mm -hmm. What's happened? Chevrolet's have flipped the script on us, haven't they? Absolutely, absolutely, and it's going to be exciting to see what happens out there. Obviously, they they take the the average of the of the four laps, and you get, you got to do four laps. Basically, uh, in a uh, world of puppy dog and butterflies, uh, we see uh, that all you got to do is go out there, get your four laps in, and get done. But that's not really how it is. It it's a lot more complicated than that. So let's talk a little bit about the toe, uh, the draft. Now uh, you and I know what that means. Now Graham Rahal, for example, uh, had one of the fastest speeds on Thursday, and that was because of the the draft and the toe. Uh, Marco Andretti though uh, has been able to do well without the toe. So talk with us a little bit when you hear. Uh, Drivers and teams and analysis uh, analysts uh, start talking about, well, that speed was under the toe or that speed was under the draft. Now, you and I know what that means, so maybe explain to our listeners that may not know what that means when we talk about that. If you're looking at the timing sheet and you see toe, draft, or anything, just grab that time and just throw it in the garbage can because that really today means absolutely nothing. They don't run multiple cars on the track at the same time for time trials. You make it and make your momentum on your own. Every little blip of the throttle hurts you. Uh, 
I think right now, it, and I wish they posted the non-toad times because it's telling a much different story. For instance, Oriole Servia was fourth on yesterday. He is well down the order on the non-toad list. Graham Rahal, like you mentioned, was 34th out of 35 in no draft laps yesterday. And again, this morning, he was struggling. He only ran like a 225 flat. So uh, that toe thing is very deceiving. But again, the key thing is, if you can, for instance, let's say if you're watching at the track, if you cannot count to like 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, 4, 1,000, 5, 1,000, 6, 1,000, 7, 1,000, and another car passes when a car passes, if you can go exactly. to 7 or 8 or longer, that's a clean lap, and that's what you're looking for. And, yeah, when it's been clean laps, guys, like, I mean, Marco could still run a 227, 228, but I don't think he can get to 229, and I think that's the number that's going to take to get there. But although I think there's a few interesting names that I believe can, and uh, maybe names that uh, we didn't talk about, for instance, uh, did I uh, mention uh, Danica could be a threat today? Oh, you know what? I saw that yesterday when I was out there during Fast uh, Fast Friday. Uh, we're we're going to bring in our executive producer real quick just to say hello to him and give him a good morning kiss. Good morning, Rick Riggin. How are you, sir? Hey, pretty good. Uh, I think I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today, and also uh, some of my laptop has taken me like eight minutes for this thing to finally connect to the show. Oh, that's good. You know, Matthew's down at the track. We've been out, out there all week long, and uh, I know that I uh, compre- compre- I took over the Twitter account. Not not intentionally, Rick. Now, Rick is in charge of our, our social media, but Rick has been busy, and and Rick is, is not our racing aficionado, but that's okay. We love him anyway. So, not hey, at uh, all. Rick, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick, today's bump day. And just real quickly give you an, an explanation of bump day. 33 cars is all that can race in the Indianapolis 500. Tomorrow's the actual qualifying for placement. So we've got to have the field set today of the 33 cars. We've got 35 entries. Now, for the first time in many years, we've had 33 cars. It's just going to be kind of a matter. Uh, today was would be more of a just a an adjustment period and uh, getting ready for tomorrow. But today we have a true bump day, and that's pretty exciting, especially to race fans and especially to Indy 500 fans as well. Well, Rick, I know you're you're busy in the in the war room there. We'll connect with you a little bit later on the show uh, talk about this uh, new law that's passed we can now gamble legally in the united states on sports so we'll we'll, we'll do yeah. that as well uh rick rick is managing the social media so follow us on at t balance and uh, give us a call 917-889-8516 we'll go back to matthew embry our official now yeah, just real just uh, just real quick tom just real quick i just want to say i'm going to be tweeting all all show long and then a good morning to our streaming partner stitcher tune in uh, I think we're on speaker now, so uh, you know Apple Podcasts, yep. obviously. And good morning to you, Matt. And uh, sorry for being late. Sorry. <laughs> that's, no, that's no problem. And you know what? I want to give a quick uh, shout out to uh, Graham Rahal and Rahal Letterman Racing. As you know, we are huge into uh, supporting the troops with this. Uh, this show that's really kind of our identity in a lot of ways uh, you know with the ambits and the things the people that we support or the troops so hats off to, to Graham Rahal United Rentals uh, turns for troops and I'm forgetting one Rick and I'm sorry but uh, check out uh, Rahal Lutterman Racing great what they're doing for the troops so we'll get back to you uh, now uh, Matt out of the track out of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway we get ready for bump day. Let's kind of start going through these uh, uh, 35 cars, if you will, in no particular order. 
But we do want to talk about uh, the the ones that we think might get bumped. And, you know, we saw um, the wreck yesterday with uh, – I'm sorry, I do apologize. Davidson. My brain went – yeah, Davidson. That, he might be one that we see bumps. So talk once about the most logical bumps that you see happen – and, you know, we, we talked that Pip Man might be one of those, but, you know, I've seen her out at the track all this week, and she means business. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, for instance, while I'm going through this, why don't I suggest our listeners to go to the Twitter page, Open Wheel Now, and then click on the final Britatology page. That has my last list of who I think is getting in and who is not. And I think you will notice there's some names that you expect to be down there, for instance, like a Kyle Kaiser who has struggled for pace, uh, obviously, James Davison with the major thrash. He is running laps right now in the 224 range, which I don't think is going to be enough to get him in the show if he runs that in qualification mode. And then, of course, like we said, uh, Graham Rahal, 225-2, uh, I think is going to be borderline to make this field. That's what he ran just now uh, in the morning warm-up. And uh, you look also down, Pippa Man, I think is in some danger. Uh, Zachary Clement de Mello is another one that's going to be Another driver, I think it's going to be uh, having sweaty palms. Uh, maybe even a Gabby Chavez, who looked good with toe runs, but uh, no draft. Uh, the best I think he's able to get was a 225. So there are several guys who I think are in that position. That uh, And add to that, some of these guys did not get a good draw, and if the track continues to warm up like it might be doing right now, that bad draw uh, could be devastating. It could be devastating for a guy like Ed Carpenter, who, yeah, through number 70, in the pill bag. Actually, his son Ryder drew number 70, and that means he will be the last car to go in the initial line. You know, I'm not going to say a guy like Graham Rahal is not going to get in the Indianapolis 500. A guy like Graham Rahal is going to find a way to get into the Indianapolis 500. I'm looking at guys who have never raced in the Indianapolis 500, maybe teams who have never fielded a car in the Indianapolis 500. I'm looking at guys who don't have that experience, and experience goes a long way here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And we'll have uh, Rick put up your, your gridatology tweet there uh, on, at Popular Open Wheel Now and uh, re- retweet that out so that people can can check out your 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 grid gridatology, but um, so let's kind of let's kind of just go through the entry list here. Let's talk about and again, really in no particular order, just the way that I've got got the the teams put together. So we're going to go through each of these. We want to make sure we get through all of them. So we're going to go through each and every thirty three cars. Uh, we may be talking about teams, multiple teams at multiple points uh, because uh, Penske's scattered throughout the field. you got Andretti scattered throughout the field. So we're not really doing it by team order. We're just kind of doing it by the entry list. So we'll start with Joseph Newgarden. Obviously, he's in the number one car. Uh, team Penske doing a fantastic job. And obviously, I, I put him up there in my t- top tier picks that could win the Indianapolis 500. Joseph Newgarden, Matthew. I think right now you look at Newgarden, he certainly is a threat. Now, he's not the greatest of qualifiers, but I think, uh, you know, with the extra pace that Chevrolet engine now gives him, he's got a much better shot to qualify, similar to what he did when he just missed the pole the year, I believe, Hinch won it, which is 2016, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, But ultimately, you look at that list and you talk about Team Penske. Exactly 30 years ago, they swept the front row for the Indy 500. They put Rick Mears. Danny Sullivan, Alan Sir Sr. With the top three all Penske's yesterday on the non-tow list, we could see history uh, made for just a second time by 30 years. If they, There's a very good chance they could go one, two, three, if not today, certainly tomorrow. 
Well, that brings us to another Penske driver, Elio Castaneda. Now, I want to tell you what. You you might think that he's not a big race car driver if you're not a race fan, but he's probably the biggest in the world. And it was evident of that as I watched him walk through the garages, walk through the pits. The crowd just congregates on him like mad ants. Uh, so certainly Elio Castaneves, his only IndyCar run this year is at the Indianapolis 500. As we know, he's moved over to the sports car series with Penske. But Elio Castaneves is in the uh, old Rick Mears yellow submarine, if you will, uh, running around the track at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And Elio Castaneves is always a fan favorite. You cannot rule him out. You can't rule him out, especially considering he finished sixth in IndyCar. IndyCar Grand Prix last week, very quietly finished sixth, my might add. But, uh, yeah, the 229.5 that he threw down this morning without a toe, I think, is definitely a sign that he's got something in the bag. Amazingly, though, of the guys that were on the non-toe times among the top three for Penske, he wasn't one of them. He was only 11th. So the draw is a decent number. I got the draw in front of me. I think he'll be – I think fourth on the track in this early session when we get underway at 11 a.m. So if the conditions are good, uh, you could be talking about Casanevas is maybe one of the early favorites possibly to be the top timer uh, today as far as uh, advancing to the fast nine uh, looking ahead to Sunday. So, hey, Matt, real quickly, if you can just uh, tell us real quickly uh, what what your uh, Twitter handle is where people can look at your gridatology so that Rick can get that up for you. M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y is my Twitter page. And uh, actually, believe it or not, it's funny where I'm actually located right now. I had to get out into one of the uh, indoor areas because the cars are so loud. I'm actually looking at, look at all the photos I've had here. And I should mention Indy 500 Photoshop. Uh, There's cases. There's one just at Pagoda Plaza where I'm at right now. There is also another area at the second floor of the Indianapolis Hall of Fame Museum. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. Uh, that's available that they'll look through and also a bunch of stuff on uh, that they could search through via computer. So there's a lot of different good stuff here. So if you get a chance, if there's a possible delay or something like that, stop by one of the Photoshop areas. There's a lot of interesting stuff here. Oh, absolutely. So uh, go to uh, your your Twitter page, Matthew Embry, and then at Popular Open Will and your Gridatology page is there. Uh, so let's go to A.J. Floyd Enterprises, uh, uh, T- TK's uh, uh teammate uh, Matthew Matthews least I had a chance to uh, talk with him yesterday and he is really really excited about being out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and he's especially excited about being a part of AJ Foyt and being a teammate to Tony Kanaan but Matthew least might be one of those guys that we look at at the end of the day that won't be in the field of 33 actually I think lace could be a threat for the top nine he lace. really could I mean he consistently firing off 227 averages and simulated runs in the heat of the day when guys were struggling to get to 225, 226. In fact, he was even going faster than TK was. So if you're looking, I love Mel Kuyper Jr.'s uh, saying, boom or bust, Mateus Lace could be your boom and bust pick uh, to make the top nine. If you're saying, guys, that possibly get up there that you don't expect to be there, that four car, I think, is a definite threat to pull a huge surprise today if he could get the perfect conditions and he can run four clean laps, which certainly that's always a question mark because he's a very aggressive driver and as we've seen in the first five rounds this season aggression has gotten the best of him on a couple of occasions you know schmidt peterson motorsports the honda has a great stable you know you look at wickens 
Uh, you look at Robert Rickens, James Hinscliffe, saw him out at the track yesterday with his brother. Uh, give him a little uh, commercial promo there. Get his book. Get his brother's book, uh, Chasing Checkers. It's a really good book that's come out, and they were doing a joint autograph uh, session yesterday where you could get the book signed and get an autograph by James Hinscliffe. Uh, but James Hinscliffe, Robert Wickens, uh, Jay Howard, all Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, and we saw the danger that Robert Wickens did here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway last week at the Grand Prix. And I tell you what, if you didn't know any better, you would not think that Robert Wickens was a rookie. I, I'm, 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 you know, I, this might be a bold pick, and it probably is. But my God, that that kid can race. And you know what? I would not be shocked if tomorrow afternoon, if we're talking about him being a P1 or P2 or P3 for the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500. So those three drivers, you got to take a look at today. Wickens, yes. Cliff for a different reason. Howard for a different reason. Hinch and Howard are struggling uh, without the tow. Uh, for some reason. Wickens ran a 227 without any problem, but Hinch was only able to get to 225, and I think Jay Howard was only in the 225s. And then their satellite car, Jack Harvey, I think is a definite danger of being knocked out of the field. So uh, if you were talking about Schmidt being a pre-favorite like we were in initial gritologies, uh, they've certainly disappointed so far this week. So let's uh, let's go on down here to Scott Dixon. I saw on uh, his wife's Twitter, Emma, that he has kind of been underneath the weather. Hopefully that doesn't come to play and affect him, and I don't think it will, but you just you got to look at all the variables uh, when qualifying for the Indianapolis 500. He's going to qualify. He's Chip Canassi's uh, 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 star, star baby. He's Scott Dixon. He's going to qualify, uh, So and he's going to be in the 500. Just where, we don't know. But Scott Dixon, what are your thoughts? Well, obviously, as you saw, if you look through my gridophology page in the opening, I mentioned that migraine situation. And when you have to focus as much as you do for four laps, since you hold your breath for two and a half minutes, everything has got to be perfect. And if you are even a slight entry off, you've ruined the whole run. So that is def- if he struggles, that's definitely got to be considered a factor. And then, of course, you talk about Ed Jones, another guy that's been a disappointment this yeah. week, only 225s for Ed. Uh, another guy that I thought was going to be a top top nine threat, I believe, if I remember correct, I don't have in front of me. I think I had him on row eight in my projection for today. That is like 22nd to 24th. And when have we had a Ganassi car qualify that low for a while? It's been a while. It, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Well, let, let's keep uh, let's keep on going down the list. Obviously, Will Power. Will Power owns the road course out of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, he's not. Uh, succeeded as well in, on the ovals as he does on the road courses, but Will Power is a great, great driver, a great guy. Uh, had an opportunity to, to hang out at his pit box yesterday afternoon, and I know that they are really dedicated to getting into the top fast nine. I think they can do it. Will Power, another Team Penske uh, driver. He's the one to beat today. I mean, you don't get 50 poles in your career with Penske because you're just lucky. Uh you look at the situation right now, he ran the 229.7, and I think he ran at least two more 229s at the Ava draft, all on his own in a row yesterday around the same time in which he'll qualify today. Uh, if you look at that scenario, I think right now the situation is perfect. He put it all together in that first run. I have a hard time seeing anyone else, uh, even his three other teammates, being able to top him uh, for being the top seed looking ahead to Sunday in the Fast Nine. Uh, 
and like I said, it's funny how things change. I mean, last year we were talking about where was Penske, where was Penske. In fact, two of their Penske, like I mentioned, uh, Ed Jones and Row 8, possibly for Ganassi, there were two Penske cars on Row 8 last year for this race. And all of a sudden, now you've got a chance where they could sweep the front row. Uh, you look at the situations right now, I think you've got a very good chance with, you know, New Garden. You've got a great chance with Dale if he can recapture the match. I mean, he could, if he wins a poll today, he could become the second in all-time polls behind just Rick Mears for five today, if he can win a poll today. And then you look at Pasadena, the threat, and then Will Power. But I'd say right now, if I had to pick one of the Penske's to get the P1 today, Power would be the easy pick. Because I don't think there is a guy on a road course or an oval over a single lap that is as fast and consistent as Mr. Power is. You know, I, I mentioned the 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 crowd, the flock of crowds. You can kind of see where you know what's going on with some of the big drivers. Who's the most popular with the fans by the amount of people outside of the garages, the amount of people outside of their pit boxes. Another person that I saw just an enormous amount of people around, and I, I think you can guess who it would be, Danica Patrick in the GoDaddy car, Ed Carpenter Racing. I did not get a chance to talk to Danica. Danica's kind of standoffish like that. Uh, uh, so I did get a chance to see her team working, and she's, she's very, she seems very, very focused. Uh, no signs of Aaron Rodgers yet. I think we'll probably see him this weekend. We'll definitely see him next weekend. I'm, I'm quite sure of it. Uh, so those that are on Aaron Rodgers uh, watch as well. Uh, but... <laughs> So no sign of that, but Danica Patrick, Ed Carpenter Racing. Danica, as you, as you mentioned just a while ago, uh, could uh, uh, provide a threat uh, to uh, the qualifying as far as uh, position-wise. Go ahead. I admit it. Like I said, I was skeptical that she could put all this together. I think coming into this month, I was thinking mid-pack start and maybe a threat, maybe for a top ten. But she has exceeded the expectations. Uh, decent position in the draw, but uh, it's interesting who also is up there. you got Spencer Piggott with an early draw. The guy, though, I think that's going to ultimately be the loser today as far as making the top nine could be Ed Carpenter. As I mentioned, he drew, well, his son drew, and I was right in front of me, kill number 70 out of the bag. You can't do any worse than that, which means he goes out last when if the heat's up, uh, Ed, I think, is going to have a problem making that top nine. If you only get one chance today, if the rain intervenes, uh, I think the Carpenter crew, uh, I think you're going to have two happy people potentially in Piggott and Patrick. I think you're going to have one very uh, strong boss in uh, Ed Carpenter because of that draw. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so another fan favorite. Tony Kanaan, TK, uh, AJ Foyt uh, racing. He's raced for just about every team out there, it seems like. you got to always root just, just for just a, a feel-good route for, I like Tony Kanaan. He's a very personable person, very approachable, loves his fans, loves racing at Indianapolis. Tony Kanaan uh, with A.J. Floyd Enterprises. Yeah, this is his race right now. I think uh, beyond the other races, you can make a case right now that this is the only place where he can be competitive, just like Elio. But uh, decent pace right now. I think he's got enough maybe to sneak his way in the top nine considering the Chevy Power advantage that they have over Honda. That's right now the situation right now is can he put four laps together because I believe he's around the mid-pack as far as the order today. So depending on conditions, uh, he could be able to put it in the top nine, but the conditions have to be right, and then obviously he's got to put four laps together. But as far as smoothness around the track, uh, probably one of the smoothest drivers out there has got to be TK. 
So I mentioned him a little bit earlier. Obviously, uh, Graham Rahal, you mentioned that he's, he's having some struggles uh, here at the balance. We're obviously rooting uh, for Graham, uh, just, again, for what he's doing for the troops and him and United Rentals. But Graham Rahal, uh, Rahal Lutterman Racing, uh, of course, in the Honda. Uh, he has the early draw, which I think will help him right now. But I think the big concern right now, Rahal has been slow. And if he's slow, you know the rest of the team is also looking a little bit dangerous. Sato's looked okay. I think he should be in the mid-pack. Servia also has looked a little bit iffy. But, uh, yeah, I think right now the fact Graham Rahal is still was out there this morning when pretty much everyone else was a no-show in the morning warm-up here just a little bit ago, I think that tells you that uh, the Rahal team is definitely concerned whether or not he's going to have the speed necessary uh, to be able to fight, especially if all he gets is one chance. Yeah, it, it would be it would be a misfortune if he uh, gets uh, tangled up in uh, the um, uh, the bump day situation. So we'll be monitoring that very very closely. Connor Daly. Now his father's getting ready to retire from local TV here. Uh, certainly we've known him for years, and he's been around the racing circuit for years. But Connor Daly, uh, I had a chance to talk with him last week. He's going to actually be running uh, one race uh, with the with the uh, Xfinity Series and the Lily, Lily's Diabetes Car. I think it's going to be here in Indianapolis, uh, and he's uh, uh, Road America running the. Road America, okay, and uh, he's uh, obviously with DCR here at Indianapolis. This is what place has not been his friend. I think he, he, he they, I've seen some, I've seen some improvement in practice, but the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, even though it's his home track and he's from right up the road in Noblesville, Connor Daly, I'm talking about the Oval now. I know he did well in the Grand Prix, all right, but I'm just talking about the Oval, the Indianapolis 500 has not been his friend. So hopefully he can he can shake that monkey off his back this weekend, Connor Daly. You ever heard the saying of wanting it to a little bit too much, Tom? That just seems like this with Connor Daly. He just tries a little bit too hard, and that's where he gets himself into trouble. Uh, the question, though, with my mind, though, is with the coin team is, I mean, are they over-focusing on trying to get Sebastian Bourdais into the top nine? Obviously, you know, bouncing back from the big crash, that'd be quite a story. But uh, you look at the rest of the group. I mean, yes, Zachary Clayman DeMeo is the first one to – attempt qualification, which means he'll have the perfect conditions, but his position's iffy. Uh, Connor, I think, is an okay position, but still not where he wants to be, and then also, I think he'd say the same thing about Pippa Mann, another very popular driver who uh, would love to make the field, but it's going to be a very tough test for Pippa as well to make it in, so it's the tale of two stars for coin. One driver is in a perfect position, three maybe not so great positions. You're listening to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Uh, joining with us is uh, Matthew Embry of Popular Open Will. We've got his gridatology up on social media. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back as we continue our Bump Day special right here on The Balance Radio Network. Doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. 
I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Oh, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim. Here. Introducing the new B-Dub Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like, Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. Hey, thanks, Rick. I appreciate it, buddy. You know what I did? <laughs> uh, see, this is why Rick is my executive producer. It, it happens. It's been doing a lot fewer, but I forgot to turn on my mic. Rick, can you hear me now? Yep, I got you. I'm just really on my uh, mute button. Hey, uh, it's all good. <laughs> I, just wanted to, I just wanted to pass along real quick, like nine minutes ago, from Graham Rahal uh, himself. And it's like perfect timing on our part with uh, Matt Embry. It's Yes, right now. But uh, Graham Rahal went on Twitter this. Today was not a good day. Unfortunately, we are struggle, struggling massively for speed. But the balance is little, literally perfect. The vehicle speed is down. Come on, phone. <laughs> I'm very proud of my team for digging deep and working late tonight. We all want this, and we will make it in tomorrow. That came from Graham Rahal like minutes before we started talking about his situation. So perfect timing on our part. 
Thanks, Rick. A great, great catch on that, and Rick will get a, get it re- retweeted out there with a special comment of encouragement to Grand Marie Hall. Thank you very much, Rick. I, I do appreciate that. Rick's managing our war room. Uh, Matthew, you heard it, and uh, we just talked about it, and as, as Rick just said, perfect timing for what we were just talking about. We certainly are, are wishing our best to Graham Ray Hall. We'll make sure that we get a retweet with a word of encouragement. Go, Graham Ray Hall, Ray Hall, Lutterman Racing. But what are your thoughts? As you can as you can see, Matthew, but, Graham's uh, kind of feeling – go ahead. Putting that in English, Tom, that tells me the balance is perfect, but that tells me there is way too much drag on this car and that he is getting eaten alive on the straight in terms of straightaway speed. If it's balanced this well and he's struggling for pace, that tells me they're going to have to take some downforce off this car, lay the wings down more, and try to get more pace out. That tells me there's just too much drag on the car right now. That may be where the issue is. Well, we all know the balance is perfect, right? No. <laughs> yeah, and I wish him the best of luck. That was not a good joke. Uh, just, just somebody fire me. Somebody fire me. Okay, we just talked about Connor Daly. You know, last year, actually one year ago today, I believe it was bump day or, or pre-qualification day, we saw Sebastian Bardet and Matt, you and I were out there uh, together, and he hit the wall like nobody's business and really just took him out for the season. And you know, to see him come back and do well, I, I, I had a chance to talk with him at the track and, you know, ask him, I said, you know, are you a little nervous? Or this is kind of the one-year anniversary. And he goes, you know, I'm just really not trying to focus on that. But, yeah, there is that, that thought of, of, of uh, anxiety, he said. Uh, but Sebastian Bourdais uh, is just uh, a, a, a true feel-good story and good to see him back on the trip. His story is much like what we saw a few years ago with James Hinchcliffe. And uh, so uh, it, it, just to see him get back on the track. And, of course, his teammate uh, was out at the um, – out at the media center, uh, of course, that's Emerson Fittipaldi's grandson, and, and I'm sorry I cannot pronounce his first name, but he's Get just Trump. really eager to get back. At, yeah, he's just really eager to get back, and I know that uh, uh, Dale said in the, in the presser the other day that he, he's hoping uh, that he can get uh, uh, Poly ready to go for Sonoma. So I know he's really eager and ready to get going, and he's out at the track. He's uh, hanging out in the motorhome. He's He's, he's listening to the team radio. Unfortunately, he's just not in the car. Uh, so uh, we do, I don't know. I think it was announced, but I can't remember who's taking his, his spot. We'll get to him in just a minute. But Sebastian Bourdais, what are your thoughts? Well, he certainly, I think, is the best chance for a Honda car to get the pole right now. Uh, 228s consistently around a good time of the day. I don't remember off the top of my head where he drew as far, excuse me, as, far as the qualifying order, but ultimately – you look at the situation right now where a Honda has the best chance. If you go by the numbers and the paper information, Sebastian Bourdais, I think, is the best hope for Honda to get the pull. So you, you think Sebastian Bourdais could get the pull? I you think he out can. Right In fact, there, I think he's the only wow. hope right okay. now for Honda to get there because Andretti did most of their big ones in drafting scenarios. And while 227's all fine and dandy, I don't think 227 is going to get you the pole. And that's the best we've seen from most of the Andretti cars, especially on Fast Friday when they're on their own. I I tell you what, that would be a good feel good story to 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 see him get on the pole at the Indianapolis uh, 500. So let's talk about the other car that, that DCR is uh, uh, fielding for the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500. Who's the driver? Tell us what we know about the other car uh, that is uh, replacing Philip Hawley. 
course, that's Zachary Clayman DeMail. He is the youngest driver in the field. He just turned 20, I believe, earlier this month. And uh, talk about pressure. This guy will be the first guy to attempt qualification here in about 90 minutes from now. Uh, I can tell you at this point, uh, as far as qualifications, we heard on the public address they are going to try to start qualifications on time at 11 o'clock sharp. So for now, that has not changed. And assuming the weather holds up, uh, we will start qualifying on time. But uh, as far as that's uh, right. For, yeah, as far as for uh, claiming the mail, he's shown okay, considering that he has this is his first ever race on a high speed oval in Indy car competition. And I tell you, that's a tough place to start. But we've seen guys. Remember Carlos Munoz's first ever oval track race in IndyCar. Qualifies in the middle of the front row, finishes second. Now, granted, Mr. Clayman's not going to do this this uh, little trick, but uh, I think he will have a decent day, and he should qualify solidly in the field. It may not be though in the top half of the field, but I think he will because taking advantage of the early draw, I think he will get qualified better than he. I think he would have projected to qualify. Well, uh, you know, for the essence of time, just to let everybody know, we are. This is our bump uh, bump day edition. We don't really have a scheduled guest uh, for the ten o'clock roll, uh, so we're going to go ahead and just roll on into ten thirty, uh, and then we'll have him up in the BS Sports Show on, and we'll be talking uh, legalized sports gambling. And unless Rick has some objection to that, I think we're just going to move on forward because Steve Wilson is in the mountains. Uh, is not going to be calling in today. Uh, at least that was the last correspondence that I had with him, and we still got a lot of cars to talk about. So uh, we're just going to ro- so Rick, we're just going to roll on into ten thirty, and um, you can just man the war room till then, and then we'll bring you in for some uh, some gambling talk. Uh, so, Professor, pardon me. I said, what did you say, Rick? Sir, proceed. Sounds great. Oh, proceed. Carry sir. on. I thought you. Said- <laughs> I thought you said something about seed. I'm like, what's he talking about his seed for? Come on, let's go. Well, this is bump day. Ed Carpenter, uh, Matthew Embry is out at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We're going to be joining up with him right after the broadcast today. This is our bump day special. Uh, we just talked about Ed Carpenter a little bit, but let's go into more detail. Ed Carpenter, the owner, the boss, and very well might be ugh, feeling the pain. Go ahead, buddy. He has the fastest car, but... Is he going to get the weather that's going to allow him a chance to go for the top nine? And he drew, like we said, his son Ryder drew pill number 70. There are 70 cars here. That means he will be the last one out in the initial draw. And if temperatures continue to increase like it's feeling like it's doing right now, I just don't think Ed Carpenter, even though he is the best of the ECR cars, has a chance to make the top nine if he only gets one chance. Let's talk a little bit about the other Ed Carpenter. Uh, we've talked about Danica. We've talked about uh, uh, Ed Carpenter. Let's talk about Spencer Pickett. Yeah, Spencer Pickett's the big difference. He got the favorable draw. He's going to be one of the first six cars to go out, and I think we will get the clear picture of what Ed Carpenter would have been able to do if he had the early draw. I think right now, it, Call me crazy, but I think the best chance right now for ECR to get a car in the top nine is either Pickett or Danica. It's not Ed Carpenter because of that draw. It's crazy how just pulling a little chip out of a milk bottle can ruin your weekend, and it did for Mr. Carpenter. Absolutely. Traditions, man. What what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So we, we move on to another fan favorite. Uh, with Team Penske, and that is uh, Simon Patajon. Simon Patajon, I've had a chance to uh, watch his uh, stable this week, and 
I know they, they've been hard at it. They've had some good speeds, uh, certainly some good speeds earlier on in the week. I think we can see a fast nine uh, with uh, uh, Simon Pettijohn. Love to see him get on pole. I think it's been, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if Rick's got the record in front of him, but I believe a Menard car or a Menard-sponsored or inner car has not won the pole here since the year 2000 when Greg Ray did it. So that would be, obviously, John Menard with a lot of history, having run his own cars here in the past and being a sponsor for many years. A very popular uh, personality here as well. So it would be, I think, pretty awesome to see uh, Mr. Menard uh, get a car if he won. Passionate to get the job done for him. You know, I like Charlie Kimball as a driver. I like him as a person. He's very, very personable. Obviously, he, he is the only IndyCar driver uh, who, uh, who has diabetes. and uh, That's a big cause of his as well. But Charlie Car- uh, uh, Kimball, he's uh, with Carlin Motorsport driving the Chevrolet. I've not seen a lot of fireworks from him this year. Uh, he's just kind of been there, and that's kind of how I felt about him this week. He's just kind of been there. He just kind of showed up. I, I think he'll get in. I think I think he'll be one of the thirty-three, but he's just he's just not lighting the world on fire. Charlie Kimball. Kimball is good. It's Chilton that's in trouble. Charlie Kimball, believe it or not, just like Matthias Lace, could be a top-nine qualifier. He ran solid high two twenty-sevens in the heat in the late yesterday. They packed up the car, and I talked to Trevor Carlin on the press this morning, and. He's, I talked to him, and, he, and I, I tried to get information from everyone this morning. Not people were chatty, but I asked uh, Trevor Carlin, does Kimball have a chance? And uh, Trevor uh, smiled. I gave a little sly wave and said, uh, yep. So watch out. I think along with Lace, uh, Kimball, because of that Chevrolet engine, is another potential surprise, uh, if not in the top nine, maybe in the top half of the field. And, again, it shows you that the power shift has happened where Chevrolet has upsurped the Hondas uh, after being humbled for the last two years. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Sage Karam. Thoughts about Sage Karam? Of course, he's with Dreyer and Ryan Belt Racing. A lot of people thought that would be where Danica would end up. You mean the high Uh, school wrestler? (laughs) <laughs> the high school wrestler. Hey, here's a fun fact about Sage Karam that people may not know. Do you know what Sage Karam has in common with another huge IndyCar family? He's from Nazareth, Pennsylvania. He's from Same Nazareth. The Andrettis. The Andrettis, that's right. He's from the same town as uh, Marco Andretti. Uh, Marco Andretti bought his uh, his his childhood home, his Marco's childhood home there in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. So they're both from Nazareth, Pennsylvania. None of that has anything to do with anything, but it's just a fun fact. And every now and then, I get these fun facts, so I like to share them. Sage Karam, what are your thoughts, sir? Well, I thought the situation involving a teammate Hildebrand could hurt Karam, even though he denied saying that was a possibility and they had their own game plan. Uh, struggled a little bit on his own yesterday, 225, 226, about the same place where Hildebrand was. So, one of the Chevy teams that's not making much noise. I think they'll get in solidly with Karam and Hildebrand anyway, but uh, unfortunately not quite take advantage of Chevrolet power like some of the other small fries uh, in the Chevrolet camp are doing. So uh, you talk about going from that sense of disappointments with the Chevrolet power at Dryon Reinbold, who looked to be on the up with, you know, buying extra cars, running a two-car team, and uh, they are once again struggling for pace. But again, their focus is on the race. They're not necessarily going for qualifying accolades, and they never have. Focus is getting a car in the race. And keep in mind, Sage Karam has failed to finish three straight Indy 500s 
He has not finished the race. If he finished ninth as a rookie, uh, you know he wants to be at the checkered flag uh, coming up uh, next weekend. So speaking of Andretti's, uh, obviously Andretti's are, are always filled uh, uh, multiple cars. One of the cars is a make good. I call it a make good. Maybe it's not a make good. Uh, Stefan Wilson. I don't have anything wrong against Stefan. He's a great kid, great driver, certainly a uh, little brother to the late Justin Wilson. And what I mean by make good, I think Andretti kind of promised him a ride because he kind of stepped aside so that Alonzo Fernando could race last year. So they kind of promised him, hey, you step aside for us now. We'll, we'll treat you good next year. So next year is here. So he's in a car. Stefan Wilson. I, I I am not saying anything bad about Stefan Wilson. I'm just saying I've been much more impressed by other Andretti drivers this week than I have Stefan. Thoughts? I, I disagree with you. Uh, he is just as fast as his teammate without an aid of a draft yesterday. He was easily running 227s, 226s, right with his teammates. Uh, you talk about another potential surprise. You look at my great colleagues this. I believe I had Stefan Wilson in row five, and that's for a reason. Uh, I think he is just as lethal of a threat to possibly get in there as any of his teammates in the Andretti Autosport. And considering we had him at the low end of the totem pole coming into this month, that's quite an accomplishment considering he hasn't driven a competitive race here in two years. Yeah, here's the thing, though, about Stefan, and, and you're right, we had him on the low low end of things, and maybe that's why I've kind of kept him because he's been able to, to get two – so let me let me say it like this, and, and maybe I'm just giving an opinion here. I won't say anybody because I couldn't do it. But so I'm saying in anybody for the purposes of just saying any driver, any driver can hit 225, 226, 227 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway if they if they're in, if they're good enough to drive an Indy car. Anybody can do that. Where my my thing is with Stefan is I noticed when we had open practice this week and we had everybody out there, he was having a hard time dealing with traffic and. It seemed like he was coming to it, because I hung around the Andretti pit boxes quite a bit, and it seemed like he was coming into the pits a lot. It seemed like they were talking a lot to him. It seemed like they were giving him a lot of instructions. So, granted, he's got those speeds. I'm not taking that away from him, but it just seems like he's been getting a lot of instructions this week. So it tells me that behind the scenes, there might be something going on that they're not comfortable with at this point. So I'm not comfortable with saying that he's going to be in the top nine at least at the moment. Go ahead. Uh, that's Russ. Uh, okay. uh, that's Russ. Again, not being, like I said, he hasn't been in a car in two years. So the place where he will do the damage is qualifying. Now, obviously, he's going to have to do some work on Monday to get used to getting ready for traffic. But uh, qualifying-wise, I think he could still maybe feel accolades today. Hey, hey, Rick, don't you have a saying for kicking rust off the bucket, kicking rust off the ring, ring off the rust bucket? What's your you saying? Yeah, shake off the ring rust. Shake off the ring rust. So that's what they're doing there. Okay, that makes that makes a lot. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, I was just saying that just means if you ain't done something in a while, you have to get back into it. You got to shake off the ring rust. I got you. I I know the feeling. Okay, that makes a lot of sense then. Okay, good, uh, good to know. Uh, so they're uh, shaking off the ring rust. Uh, that's that's a good insight there. Thanks, uh, Matt. So uh, teammate Zach Veach uh, certainly uh, had an opportunity to watch him. You can't miss him. He's a bright orange car, bright orange suit. He, so you, you can't miss Zach Veach out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He's the one that's been the disappointment, though, for the Andre Andretti team as far as finding pace. I think he's been the slowest on the non-tow list each of the days for Andretti. Uh, 
you look at the situations right now. Obviously, you had to fight, 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 scratch just to get this ride with uh, you know the support from Group 1001 and Relay. But uh, so far, uh, Zach Beach, whether it's getting used to a brand new car or a more competitive car, whatever the case is, he has been a little gun shy this week. And uh, keep in mind, he crashed uh, last year. Really didn't get a chance to get himself acclimated well with the month of May uh, procedures. Maybe he's still at square one. And uh, interestingly enough, I thought if there was going to be, like you said, if there's going to be a guy in a trade that would struggle, it would be Stephen Wilson, not Zach Beach. So Alexander Rossi, obviously one the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500 out there in his Napa machine. Uh, I like him. I like this kid. I had a chance to talk with him yesterday. He interacts well with the fans. He seems to really get it. He seems to really understand what's going on out there at the track. Alexander Rossi. Remember at the start of the week for Britannology, where I had Alexander Rossi, I had him number one. The problem is not talent for Alexander Rossi. The problem is his car just doesn't have the pace to get him all the way to keep him at number one. That's why I put him in row three on my final projection uh, last night. Uh, it's not that this team has forgotten how to set up a car. It's the fact of the matter is doing all the legwork and all the stuff and putting it all together. Penske and some of these other Chevrolet camp teams have done that. Somewhere along the way, Andretti has left, and Honda has left a few loopholes open, and that's why they're down the list and why the Chevys are at the top of it. So it's nothing there. I think you'll see Rossi be a factor more on race day than today. He may stick into the top nine, but I think if you're looking for damage for Andretti, it's not going to be today. It's going to be next weekend. You know, uh, I was watching in the pit boxes. Like I said, I spent a lot of time in the Andretti pit boxes this week. And right behind uh, Alexander Rossi is Ryan Hunter Ray. And I noticed they were sitting in the pit uh, boxes together waiting for practice. And they were and Alexander Rossi was in his car. And, and uh, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray comes over and was talking to him and, you know, patting him on the helmet and giving him high fives. So they're doing well together as a team. Ryan Hunter Ray, though, always does well in – he, let's say, oh, he's well because he—he's obviously won here in Indianapolis. He's—he knows what it's like to be here in Indianapolis. He's a vet here in Indianapolis. If you're going to get some coaching tips uh, from uh, an Andretti teammate, Ryan Hunter Ray would be the one. What are your thoughts on Ryan Hunter Ray this year for the 100 second running of the great Indianapolis Great racer, not so great a qualifier. Last, I think, three of the last four years, he's not made the top nine. And remember. He ended up then goes in the consolation phase last year and then runs a 231.4 and only qualifies 10th because he didn't make the shootout. Uh, it's about putting it all together right now. And unfortunately, in this case, for if there's an excuse this year, it's not his fault. Like I said with Rossi and the other Andretti cars, they just, I don't believe, have enough pace to get them into the top nine where they could, or even if they do get to the top nine, do they have enough to upsurf the Penske's? See, my my thought was on the uh, talking about the Andrettis in the top nine. I would I would think Carlos Munoz could at least be right there. I, it seems like he's had some good speeds. It seems like he's he's doing well. I, I I would have picked him above any of them to be in the top nine uh, for for Andretti. What do you think about Carlos Munoz? Munoz has had to drive that car super aggressively because, like I said, the speed has not been there. I think he's only been able to get to two twenty six, two twenty five. I mean, he. no one drives it lower into the corners than he does. I mean, he was scraping the gray curbs on the inside of all four corners yesterday. That's how much he's struggling for pace. I mean, if he's having to drive it that aggressively, uh, I think that tells you the story that he's 
trying to shorten up the course as much as possible because he knows down the straightaway the car just can't cut it. We're talking with Matthew Ember, who's live out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm here at the Balance Studios, and our, our executive producer, Rick Riggin, is managing uh, the war room. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at T-Balance. Uh, follow uh, Matthew at Matthew Embry uh, as well. This is our bump day special, and uh, certainly after tomorrow, we're going to have a field of 33. Next, uh, next week uh, is uh, the day before the race. It's hard to believe that it's here already. And so Matthew and I will be definitely breaking down uh, the, the field of 33. We'll know what they'll be at. We'll know who the poll is going to be, the P1, P2, P3. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to break down uh, where we think drivers will end up at. We'll be making our official IndyCar, uh, Indy 500 pick next week. So a lot of exciting times out at the track, and I'm so glad that I've been able to be out there all week long. And hopefully you followed us on social media and, and seen what I've been able to, to post on up there. So, Tomoko Soto, I think I almost got it right that time. Ray Hall, Waterman, Lagan Racing. Obviously, a, a, a point that we were making earlier about uh, Graham Ray Hall and the troops is uh, that this United Rentals uh, donations were turned for troops, uh, and the troops carries across to all of the uh, drivers. So, every lap that's completed uh, by a Ray Hall, Letterman Lagan uh, ra- Racing uh, team member. Uh, for every lap that's completed uh, this year in, the, in all of IndyCar, uh, United Rental's going to donate like 30 bucks. So add, that adds up pretty quickly into the thousands of dollars, uh, if not millions. So uh, great work for what they're doing for turns uh, for troops. Tomoko Soto, Matthew. To go with Soto, I apologize here. Let me get inside here a second of that. Uh, Drill team uh, okay. percussion group, the oil cans are making noise here. I'm having trouble hearing it. Okay, now I'm inside here. Uh, Takuma Sato, oh, yeah. I think, has the best chance for the Ray Hall Letterman guys to get, you know, a top half position. Uh, he's shown a little more pace than Serbia. He's shown a little more pace than Ray Hall. So if someone's going to do damage for Ray Hall Letterman qualifying today, I think that's probably the best bet, uh, the reigning champion of the Indy 500, Takuma Sato. Sorry about the noise. Oh, absolutely. Oh no! Hey man, I, I'm a high octane. That's the name of the, of the of the band you're talking about there. They are they mm-hmm. are great to watch. They are they are fun to watch. Them and the and the uh, the pipers, uh, the the pipes, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the 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 thingies. Uh, pipe uh, pipe. Uh, what are they called? Gordon pipers. Gordon pipers. No, I know the Gordon pipers, but the the instrument they're playing and they're called uh, bagpipes. Pipe bagpipes. I got it. All right. We'll get, we'll get it. Uh, we'll get back on track, no pun intended, uh, here. So let's go over to uh, Junko's Racing, which I believe this is the only car they're fielding, uh, Chevrolet Kyle Kaiser. Another team that's not taking advantage of the Chevrolet engine. Kaiser struggled. Uh, I've said it all with the last several weeks we talked about. You just cannot personnel brand-new technical staff that has no IndyCar experience and then expect rookie drivers to get everything out of it. I mean, that's just asking way too much, and now they've added another rookie driver for, I believe, uh, Road America or Mid-Ohio. You just can't get anything going. you got to find some veteran that understands the thing and can figure out these things a little quicker than a rookie, and it puts uh, Kyle Kaiser at a major disadvantage, the reigning Indy Lights presented by Cooper Tires champion. Uh, I really hate to say it, even though Chevrolet's got more power, I really think Kaiser's going to have a problem trying to make the field today. What are our thoughts about James Davison? 
if he if he gets in, it would be the biggest shock since Simona Di Silvestro qualifying for the top 24 a day after she suffered a fiery crash. I think it was 2011 when she burned both of her hands. That would be at that level of surprise if he does get in. Wouldn't you say that, and nothing against James, you and I have talked with him together out there, I mean, nothing against James Davison, but wouldn't you say that maybe he's one of those drivers that team owners like to give a shot at Indy every year? Wouldn't you say that he's like one of those guys? When he replaced Bourdais last year, got the car in the front and gave it a real good chance to win after starting dead last, he caught people's attention. Unfortunately, it didn't lead to a big ride. Obviously, Bellardi and them are novices in this situation, just like Junkos is. But, uh, yeah, it would be a real good heartwarming story if he could somehow find a way to get this car into the field. Uh, but like I said, uh, even with the Chevrolet power, it's going to be an uphill struggle uh, for Davidson uh, because those kind of hits that he took against the turn two wall, those things last in your head for a while. So it will be interesting to see how he bounces back from that. Of course, though, there's no one cooler. Uh, if you watch a guy going around on the skateboard, that's uh, Mr. Davison. Even though I keep asking the yellow shirts, I thought they you meant you banned skateboarding 10 years ago, and they said, well, <laughs> so uh, I need a further explanation on that. Cause remember, Pacific Coast came on the skateboards, and then it was saying you can't skateboard in Gasoline Alley. So maybe they changed that. We need to look that up when we get here. Someone, someone has to know that question. <laughs> I've seen him uh, skateboarding around all all week long. It is it is kind of kind of funny, and I, I did think the same thing myself. Obviously, I wasn't going to say anything to anybody, but yeah, going through pit row and then right just right across the start finish line the other day when they were getting ready to open up for practice, uh, they were doing the ceremonial. They had a guest do the green flag. You know how they do that, and then right behind they had yep. the, the cameras there, and I was right down at the start start finish line. Here, here here he comes right right past everyone on his skateboard. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's a skateboarding driver. That's for sure. maybe, maybe he's a, maybe they're going to enter a skateboard into the uh, Indianapolis uh, 500. That's funny. That's funny. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Max Chilton, Carlton uh, uh, Motorsports as well. Different story from him compared to his teammate Kimball. Well, Kimball's got a very good chance to maybe get in the top half of the field. Chilton has struggled for pace. But uh, it still has to be considered a factor. I, I mean, you don't uh, lead 50 laps in last year's race because you're lucky. Uh, I think right now just the car isn't there for them, maybe the aggression. But I think uh, he's got the race day experience and doing what it takes to run up front. So if you're looking for a guy that may charge his way through the field uh, next weekend, Chilton might be one guy that could do it. So I know that uh, Rick is managing the war room, and he just noticed that uh, – IMS is having a press conference in about 25 minutes for a major announcement, so we'll let you know what that is when it comes down. Uh, so uh, I know you're out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, so we'll we'll try to get that out to you as soon as possible. Uh, my guess is it's going to be about something uh, big as far as a celebrity goes or something like that coming up. But uh, well, Rick has the, mentioned uh... that. Yeah. Real quick, Tom, and maybe, ahead, Matt, since you're there, maybe this is something you're already hearing. Uh, I don't know. If you, if you are, do, do know some rumors. Maybe you could spill the beans live on the show first here for us. But uh, uh, IMS and IndyCar having a major press conference in about 25 minutes from now, 1030 Eastern. Uh, you only think that I could think it it's might a, be. Could it be a new tile sponsor? Well, I'm not sure. It says a major uh, technical announcement. So something – Technical. That could be an engine supplier. That could be a bunch of things. Uh, we've talked about Alfa Romeo being an engine partner down the road. So it could be one of two things. Either it could be a major technical sponsor, 
or a major title sponsor because Verizon leaves at the end of this year to just focus on sponsoring Team Penske? Or could it be Alfa Romeo uh, is uh, posting their interest to compete uh, next year or in 2020? Absolutely, and we'll, and we'll and I know Rick is monitoring that. So as soon as we hear what the announcement is, uh, Rick, just let us know, and we'll we'll let you jump on and tell us what it is uh, as as we are trying to get through these uh, 33 cars. But major announcement coming in about 20 25 minutes from the Indianapolis uh, Motor uh, Speedway. Uh, so I think we left off with uh, Max Chilton, Jack Harvey. Again, that's a guy. I'd Actually, now that maybe I think about it, remember we talked about. Remember we talked there, we heard rumors about could this be maybe McLaren uh, possibly announcing an IndyCar team for next year? We did talk We did talk about that, and that's a valid point. You know what? Uh, that would be the over and under. I would say definitely a good possibility that that's what it is because I heard uh, rumblings about McLaren all day yesterday in the media center and people just talking about it. So that could very well be it. That's a, that's a good snag there. And thanks, uh, Rick, for monitoring that for us. We'll get that announcement out here in about five minutes. Jack Harvey's going to get bumped today, yes or no, uh, Matt? It's going to be close, but I think considering the unknowns involving Kaiser and also Davison, I think he just finds a way to get in. But it will be close. You know, we talked about uh, we talked about Pippa Mann being bumped. I don't know. I tell you what, she hit some good speeds. You talk about speeds that not on the toe. She was up there. She was up there with everybody else. Two twenty five, two twenty three, two twenty six. She might be back in the field, but I think she gets in the field. Pippa Mann. If she runs a 226, yes. If she runs a 225 or 224, I think she could have a problem. But, again, the crash at Volley Davidson, I hate saying that, that may have saved Pippa Man's month as far as making the field, uh, having one car in a vulnerable position now and having suffered a setback. That opened up one more space, and maybe she takes advantage of that. So, uh, Oriol Serbia uh, is uh, running for Ray Hall, Lederman, Lagan, Lagan Racing. Uh, obviously, again, another driver turning laps and turns for troops. Um, I think this is his only is an only IndyCar race this year. I think uh, I know he runs the he drives the the official pit car every now and then. But uh, Oriol Serbia. And, obviously, a brand-new partner in Scuderia Corsa who has shown an interest in possibly running their own team in a few races next year on the IndyCar circuit. So, good to see Giacomo uh, Marioli uh, showing an interest. Of course, for those of you that know Scuderia Corsa, they run a GTD program in the IMSA WeatherTech Championship. So, uh, having them added to the circuit would be a nice addition. Another guy I got on my bump list. I got a few drivers on my bump list, and we're going to go through the actual uh, bumpers here in just a few minutes when we get through these drivers. But another guy on my bump list is J.R. Hillebrand. I feel a lot better about Hildebrand after he ran the 227s on his own late yesterday. I think that's a good sign. He also has an early draw. I think Hildebrand does enough to safely get himself in. In fact, he may actually outqualify his teammate, Karim. Gabby Chavez on my bump list. The car will race well. There's no question about that. He's been fast in the toes and stuff like that. But like you said, 225, uh, he is going to be facing an uphill struggle unless they can squeeze a little more speed. If he can get in the 26s, he should be okay, though. So I saved the best for last. I don't know if that's the best. Certainly not the best at Indianapolis. But it, it would, it, historically, it would be cool to see an Andretti in uh, victory lane. Like I said, I spent a lot of time in the Andretti uh, pit areas uh, this week. And I can tell you one thing. Marco is focused. More focused than I've seen him in years past. I, 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 he's definitely, he was certainly the fastest in speed 
on Wednesday, I believe it was. He's been in the top five in speed all week long. With toe, without toe, he has been right up there. Marco Andretti, could he finally, could this be the year, Matthew, that he gets this monkey off his back? It is a mental game with Marco, no question about it. In fact, uh, those of you that are around with Goda Plaza right now, there is a major book signing going on there in just a few minutes involving Davey Hamilton, Alistair Jr., and Sage Karam. So if you're in the Pagoda Plaza, there's a long line there. Also, Alistair Jr. is down there as well. Another new uh, book signing taking place at the Pagoda Plaza here in a couple minutes involving those drivers. Well, absolutely. But, and uh, uh, I saw a great book. Switching to Marco, I changed my mind on this. I think he is the one that has the best chance maybe to do something for a great day as far as qualifying, even though, yeah, that 231.8 was in with the draft. He may be the one that can finally do it, but uh, the race is a different story. It's a metal game, and the car's got to be there. There's a lot of things that have to be put together, and the question is, will he have all the pieces of the puzzle completed instead of missing a few pieces like he's had here in the past that his dad has had here in the past and his grandfather? So let's talk a little bit about the Indianapolis 500. You know, a lot of people don't get it, uh, and, and maybe because I – I am from here. I live here in Indianapolis. It's in my backyard. It's my home track. I love IndyCar. It's one of my favorite sports. We're a sports talk show. We talk all kinds of sports. But a couple times a year, we actually kind of dedicate things to, like, the Daytona 500 and the Indianapolis 500 and, you know, the Super Bowl and things like that. This is the Super Bowl of, the, of IndyCar. This is it. To win at Indianapolis 500, to drink that milk, to have that reef around you, that that cements you in racing legacy, in racing history. Talk with us a little bit about why the Indianapolis 500 is so special to teams, to drivers, and to fans. Well, that's easy. Remember 2014, who showed up? Kurt Busch. Who showed up last year? Fernando Alonso. And if things had worked out, Alonso would have been back this year as well. And Danica's back for a final race here because it means a bunch. I mean, if it did not have that kind of star feel, we would not be getting those type of drivers uh, coming over and trying their luck here. Victor Owen Depot of the Indiana Pacers is driving the pace car, uh, and, and uh, he was out on pit lane yesterday. I know he's very, very excited about uh, driving the uh, uh pace car now let me explain a little bit a lot of people may not understand this when we say he's driving the pace car it's a ceremonial drive okay so he is leading the the, the cars out onto the track uh but he the official pace car throughout the race and you know when when we go on caution and that sort of stuff that's not driven by uh olin depot this is a ceremonial drive but it is it is still pretty cool to be able to do that and if you've never had an opportunity to ride in a pace car if you ever get the opportunity to do that. Last year I had the opportunity to do that and to go 100 and some odd miles an hour around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Pretty freaking cool. So, yes, he'll be, do, he'll be doing driving that speed. He's been doing some, having some coaching uh, from um, – uh, <laughs> I have a brain fart, Matt. Um, okay, he's, a, he's a legend, too, out there at the track. Uh, he's won uh, – Rutherford. Johnny Rutherford. Rutherford. Johnny Rutherford. Uh, yeah, Johnny Rutherford. Yeah, Johnny Rutherford. And then last year, Johnny I Rutherford. believe, Sarah Fisher drove the car as well. Yeah. 
I I heard a rumor that why they started putting Sarah Fisher, I mean, why they started putting Oreo Servia into the pace cars, into the official pace car, I should say, uh, is uh, because she forgot to turn off the lights and it caused confusions. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, maybe we'll go ahead and uh, put Oreo in there. So, uh, yes, yeah, so Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you've got to respect that. And, you know, fortunately in practice, we've seen a few wrecks, uh, really pretty good hard hit to the wall yesterday. Uh, J.R. Hillebrand hit the scuff the wall. Both drivers were able to get out okay. Those were the really only times we hit the wall. Uh, and I was concerned, especially with this new aero kit, Matt, that we would start seeing some, some cars airborne, especially getting into traffic. I was a little concerned that we would see a lot more uh, carnage, if you will, like we're used to seeing in practice at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We only saw two cars. So today uh, we got people out there trying to, to get into the field of 30. Now, if you're if you're a crew chief, if you're a team owner, it sounds real simple. Tell your driver go out there, go, run your run your, uh, your your laps, be done, and let's get back in. Let's get back in the garage and let's get ready uh, for the field of 33 for qualifying tomorrow. However, however, we know things happen. We know things happen, and if you're a crew chief and you're talking to your drivers. You got to protect that race car, not not just from the financial aspect of it, but this is it. If, if you don't have a backup car, or if, if you if 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 you screw this up today, you could really screw screw your team. Not that anybody would do that intentionally. By no means am I saying that, Matt. But if you're the crew chief, if you're the owner, what are you telling your drivers to do to protect that race car today? Well. Today, right now, is just keep it easy. But the thing is, though, with, you know, bumping possibilities, you really cannot be conservative. You have to bring your A game, and you need to go for it and try to put the car solidly in the field. Because if we only get one attempt and we get to the end of the line, you're 34th, 35th, it starts raining, you're out of luck. So you've got to find that perfect balance between aggression and control. And whoever does the best, that's probably going to be the guys that not only make the field, but that does it perfectly, is probably going to be your pulse there. So let's talk about our bump bag, if you will. I've got a few. You've got a few. So based on your gridatology, who gets bumped today? I just don't think Davison has enough left after the setback to get him back all the way there. The team's worked overnight. And then uh, Kyle Kaiser, the, you just cannot come here with all brand-new stuff and limited experience and expect to be successful here. And I think uh, – for Ricardo Junkos, I think they really need to go back to the drawing board and start thinking, bringing in veterans and people that have been here before and go from that round trying to just trying to build Rome uh, without uh, uh, an instruction manual. So I I think I mentioned a few of the ones that I thought would, would be bumped. And, uh, you know, J.R. Hillebrand, unfortunately, good kid. I, I think he just has had a, bad, a streak of bad luck. I don't, I don't think anybody will ever forget it. Can you imagine coming down for the victory of the Indianapolis 500 and crashing? Uh, that, will, that will remain with him forever. And I just don't think he's ever gotten over that. And he's never, ever got back to that plateau at Indianapolis since then. He's had good qualifying runs. It's just he hasn't been able to put it all together. And, of course, when you only run Indy, it doesn't help you. And then when you have the opportunity to make it big, he doesn't follow through with it as he failed to do last year. So that's why he's now in the situation with Breyer. Still think he makes the field solidly today. But, uh, yeah, his chances to win uh, probably are very limited, if uh, that at best, uh, looking forward to next weekend. 
So the cars are out on the track, uh, and uh, so I, I think we've got about another 20 minutes of practice, uh, I believe. You're out there. Uh, Matt, what are you seeing? What's going on at the track right now as we get ready to, to uh, uh, start uh, bump day at 11 o'clock? Eventually here we'll start seeing cars getting into line in the qualifying line area. Uh, we'll talk about that stuff as obviously on Facebook and Twitter uh, when we get a chance when you get down here with me. But uh, I think we should be seeing cars going through final inspection right now, and once they do that, they will head out to the qualifying line, and we will get ready for qualifications coming up at 11 o'clock. Well, so far the fastest in session, the best lap, a 229.505, uh, is Elio Castanevas in his uh, number three Pennzoil. Uh, Rick, I always call yeah, it the Rick Mears yellow submarine. Let me stop you there for a second. How many of those cars? How many cars ran in the morning warm-up today? Eleven, uh, maybe ten. Yeah, that's only a third of the field. That tells you you're not going to learn anything, but it's cool. It's warming up now, so if you're trying to balance the car based on that, uh, you're not going to be successful. And that's why I think you saw major- only eleven cars uh, attempt qualification. The only guys that you were sawing that were in practice today are guys that are in danger of being bumped. I think the other guys that you didn't see are guys feeling confident that they're in a good position to make the field. Well, if I'm Simon Pettijohn and I'm looking at uh, just an overall speed in practice right now, uh, 137.494, that is not going to cut it. <laughs> There's something yeah, going he on just, there. Just did, he uh, just did an installation lap, and they brought it back in. So, essentially, it's just uh, apparently they must have made some major change to it mechanically that they caught during a, the engine heat test in the garage here, and they just brought it out there just to make sure that that's been taken care of. Because the last thing you want to do is have to abort your qualifying run because – if the field runs through and you don't get back out, you are you lose that guaranteed attempt, and it rains, and they get through the field, he's out of luck. So that's right now, making sure that thing was still working okay, that was their big check right there. And I think that's why they went out there, just to do that one check to make sure everything's okay. When he does floor it, there's not a problem. Well, we've got about uh, 20 minutes and some change left in practice, and then, of course, 11 o'clock uh, is uh, – it's it's all for the gusto, and I'll be joining uh, Matthew Embry out there at the track, uh, and we'll be doing our live tweets. So uh, make sure you follow us at T Ballots and uh, look for our live tweets uh, throughout the day. And uh, we'll be certainly keeping you updated on Twitter as well as uh, Matthew's uh, Twitter page as well, and uh, we'll let you know what happens to the bump. Day. So we've about uh, wrapped up our bump day portion of it. We're going to get into some uh, gambling talk here in just a minute. I know that you uh, work for Sports Talk Show uh, Station up in Mishawaka. Uh, talk with us a little bit about what you guys are talking about, uh, gambling now legal in the United States. I think right now the big thing is uh, if it involves NCAA teams, how it's going to be enforced and what possible violations might be involved. I think that's the biggest thing and how it may affect Notre Dame. So that's still unclear as to what the NCAA will do if they catch that involving uh, college legions, if they're still going to crack down on that and try to have that as a deterrent. Well, see, I guess, you know, that would be my thing. If, if you if retroactively look at things and say it was really, according to the Supreme Court, uh, and we're going to move and BS Sports Show is going to be joining us here about 1030, our, our, our gambling expert, but he, he's going to help us break it down and make sense of the law. But the way I understand it is if something, if the Supreme Court says something is legal that has been deemed illegal, that retroactive period, there are things that 
come to play that say, in fact, there were no laws broken. Uh, Rick, if you want to jump in here, you, you certainly can. Uh, and we're going to wrap up this segment here in just a moment. But uh, when you think, uh, speaking with the about the NCAA, I know you, you follow Notre Dame quite a bit. Um, retroactively, uh, do, do you think any of these laws were even broken? Well, it's tough to say because uh, I think what Matt might be talking about is is uh, are you talking about student and player involved? Yeah, the uh, that hurts yes. eligibility. Yeah, uh, so it, it's really tough to say. Now schools will have their own guidelines uh, and their own rules. It's like when they legalize marijuana, just because it's legal in Colorado doesn't mean you can show up to work in Colorado. <laughs> and not get fired if you're high, you know. So it, <laughs> that's right. It, it falls in uh, along those lines. Uh, if students were involved and, and players were involved, you know, over the past several years or how far back you want to take it retroactively, uh, they probably did, you know, according to school laws. But uh, as far as national laws, I, I, I couldn't say. So we'll have to see what the uh, the ruling is going to be. I know it's legal now, but. Really, what does that mean? And I'm just interested to to hear what Mo has to say here a little bit. Yeah, I think we're, we're here in Indiana, and I think we're at least two to three years out before it's actually going to be implemented as a, as a law uh, or be legal here in the state of Indiana. That is so. Uh, so we'll get into that here coming up in our in, at the bottom of the hour with Mo from the BS Sports Show. This has been our Bump Day edition, our Bump Day special. Matthew, uh, give us some last words of wisdom. You're out there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Talk with us a little bit for a few minutes here about what we're looking at today, tomorrow, qualifying. How do they qualify? What do they look forward to qualifying? Break down the qualifying process for the Indianapolis 500. I think right now you look at the situation, assuming we get through the line completely without any interruptions, then it begins where you could go back in. You can withdraw your time and get the priority. I'll be very curious to see how aggressive teams get uh, with the weather possibly in play. But I think those drivers that are very close to that cut line are going to be very nervous. Uh, if weather starts to come back, you may see a mass rush to the line in order to get another attempt to see if they can get back in if that allots itself uh, later today. Well, the sun is out. I'm looking outside the studio windows right now, and the sun appears to be coming out. Don't and if jinx we look, it, Tom, I'm just kinda... Tom, don't jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't, I won't, Don't do I won't it. go into. Don't do yeah, it. I won't. <laughs> you know what? I. It's Indianapolis. It, God and Mother Nature love Indianapolis. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to piss them off. We're not going to piss them off. Matthew Embry out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, the best place in the world to be, and for race fans like us, it's Christmas time. And Matthew, we'll let you go. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces? I'll catch up with you in the track up here at the track. In about an hour or so, I should be uh, making my way through traffic and getting parked and getting up to the media center where I'll catch up with you, and then uh, we'll, we'll do some walk-arounds the track and so forth uh, and, and, and do our stuff out there. Uh, but where can people find yeah, again, your masterpieces, sir? Yep, popularopenwheel.com. And then, of course, M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-Y on Twitter. May not be posting as much as Tom is, but I may get a few things in if there's any big moments that happen along the way. So we'll see how things go. Uh, we'll get the sunscreen green laddered up here because it's going to be hot, folks, out there. So you might want to, don't want to get burned out here. And uh, remember, just have the rain gear just in case it does open up because uh, it's still a lot of unpredictability as to how the weather could play out. But uh, it's going to be a fun time. And if you're not down here, you need to get down here as soon as you can because we're about ready to qualify. 
That's right. Get to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm going to be headed out there in about 30 minutes. I'm going to be getting off the air and getting in my car and heading down there. Matt, we'll catch up with you then. Not a problem. I'll save a seat for you. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Matthew Embry at Popular Open Wheel Now, our official IndyCar contributor, live at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Myself and Rick Rickin and Mo from the BS Sports Show will be back the last half hour. We're going to be talking gambling, and you can bet on that right here on the Balance Radio Network. Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim, here. Introducing the new B-Dub Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to the balance. Uh, we've got almost all of it in the books. Our bump day edition. Thank you so much to Matthew Ember, who's out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Cars are on the track doing practice. 
today is it. Today is bump days. We're going to have our field of 33, and then tomorrow it's qualifying and or pole day. So tomorrow we will know the running order of the 100-second running of the Indianapolis 500. And so we appreciate all you non-race fans for hanging out with us, and uh, we're going to get back on point. I promise you after after next week we'll be back on point with our um, – our show points. But joining us in the war room is uh, Mr. Rick Riggin, our executive producer of The Balance. And we're standing by for Mo from the BS Sports Show. How are you, sir? Hey, pretty good. Hopefully the rain holds off for you and Matthew up at the track today. And uh, it's not just here in Indiana. I think God is pissed off at horse racing, too, because the uh, the track, I just saw the practice. That runs tonight. I just saw the track. It's just as sloppy as the Kentucky Derby was two weeks ago. And maybe that plays great oh, wow. for Justify. He looked great in the slop. Maybe that's an advantage for him today, too. Justify. We'll see what happens. So we're going to get into this conversation. Today's the royal wedding. Uh, you know, hey, and uh, I love that tweet you sent out, by the way. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's the only uh, royal wedding I'll recognize is the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> I honestly cannot think of something, anything else off the top of my head that I care about less. Than the royal wedding, a royal baby, anything they got they got going on over that that royal family that does nothing that I see, other than just have a lot did, of money and just be uh, you know kings and queens and did, whatever. I don't know what they really do, you know. <laughs> didn't didn't we fight a war like a hundred years ago to get away from the Brits? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us now, who is the official uh, royal wedding watcher, uh, the Prince Mo from the. BS Sports Show. Uh, Prince Mo, how are you, sir? Uh, good, good. <laughs> you, are, you, are you glued to the Royal Wedding? Uh, not for even a second. Oh, man. You don't know what you're yeah, missing, that, buddy. That's, you what you're... that's what I was just saying. I can't think of anything <laughs> off top of my head right now other... that I care less about. <laughs> that royal wedding. I don't understand the obsession the media has with this. I mean, we have real news going on. The entire I, I couldn't even watch the today, and I'm not really a big Today Show fan, but I couldn't even watch it this week because it's like, uh, no, <laughs> there's like there's other news going on in the world, people. I mean, we had a, a shooting in Texas. There's a lot of things going on in the world that we could be talking about, and one of them is hey, gambling. <laughs> It's not legal. Wait, wasn't it always legal? Uh, gambling's been legal in the United States for a long time, but sports gambling just become uh, legal. So Mo is our resident gambling expert. So I wanted to make sure we talk. We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs, um, and you know, certainly LeBron and the, and the Celtics, and, and everybody's talking about that. But before we get to that, I want to talk about this ground-breaking uh, uh, precedent lawsuit that was passed in, the, in, in, in favor of New Jersey of the Supreme Court case. Maybe you can help us walk this through what that case was, how it became relevant, how it got to the Supreme Court, and what it means now, Mo. Well, basically what it was is New Jersey was kicked off because there was a monopoly for Las Vegas when it came to sports gambling and the amount of money that it brings in and uh, and Governor Christie of New Jersey was uh, contacted by a bunch of these uh, these folks who wanted to uh, partake in that and uh, pass legislation uh, with their state so it was ready should they win this court case and then uh, the Supreme Court ruled that uh, the federal government should not have uh, uh, ruling over this and that uh, there shouldn't be a monopoly in Las Vegas. There was so much money that was going uh, overseas uh, by online stuff or illegally to, to bookies that 
uh, they decided to uh, overrule the previous rule. Now it's on the states to do this. Uh, you know, and so there's a bunch of states, 12 of them, I believe, that uh, were ready for this to, for when it happened and should be live here within the next couple of weeks. And then states like uh, Indiana, who will be behind the curve like always and probably be a couple of years from now. So a couple of years from now. So what does that mean? Let's talk and let's talk and we'll bring uh, Rick also, our executive producers on with us as well. We were talking just a little bit before the break, a, a little bit about what this means as far as uh, college uh, athletes and eligibility. Rick, I, I know you had some questions on and, on what you thought Mo may have to say, so go right, right ahead, sir. You've got the floor. Well, we were talking about if uh, you know, the Supreme Court rules something really isn't illegal, then how far back retroactively uh, maybe things were found illegal at one point and Charges came down on maybe say we'll say schools because we're talking to collegiate sports for gambling. Supreme Court ruled something that it, legal now. Now, how far back, if any, if anything at all, can they go back and re- reverse some decisions on maybe some well, things that came down? No, on not schools. really. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, not really. Any also take look at it like this. So let's say that. Uh, I was busted for possession of marijuana in Colorado before the law became legal. They're not just going to bust and let me out of jail because now they passed it. So it's not retroactive uh, at all towards any of that stuff. It'll be current from – so the uh, legislation in these states that are moving forward, uh, they're ready to, to move forward with this now. So it's a new law starting as of you know whenever this new law takes effect in Jersey here in the next couple of weeks. So it won't be retroactive to anything. Again, so I, I make the comparison just like, you know, if you're in a state where you were busted with pot possession before it was legal, they're not just going to open up the gate, the floodgates and let everybody out of jail because of that. So it'll be new, not retroactive whatsoever. Yeah, we we use that exact same uh, example. You always got to go back to the pot example. That's what I'm saying. Anytime we can bring pot into the conversation on the balance, I'm all for it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I... I, I I, I, I get it. You know, I understand why it's a law. I, I certainly respect the laws of the land, but, I mean, if someone wants to fire up a, a doobie, by all means, let them do so. I don't do it myself, but, hey, if you want to, that's fine. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the, the gambling. I, we're in the NBA Finals, so we'll talk a little bit about the NBA, but we can really apply this rule to any uh, NFL or MLB or horse racing or whatever it might be. NBA, uh, I think a lot of things that they were concerned about was how are they going to make their money? Where are they going to get their money? You know, the way I look at it, uh, Mo, is the majority of teams have casino sponsorships or and or owners with uh, casino ties. The Phoenix Suns plays an arena with casino uh, naming rights. Money has been flowing uh, to teams for a while uh, from gambling. So how will this uh, – decision this supreme court decision how will nba teams begin to make money off of this because i, I know they were the, one of the biggest proponents against this because they're like hey that's this is a cash cow for me don't come uh, don't come uh, taking my cow uh, what are your thoughts well the nba and adam silver were all for it it was the nfl that really pushed back against it but uh being hypocritical because let's be honest gambling and fantasy football are what has made football the the popular <laughs> sport that it is now so Roger Goodell, all it's going to do for them really is make them more money because I don't know if you've heard about the integrity fee that uh, the NFL wants from the states that have passed sports gambling uh, for them to, uh, you know, have integrity when it comes to keeping their sport clean. But aren't they supposed to do that now? So we have to bring sports gambling in other states in this so that the NFL wants paid from all these other states. It, it's just unbelievable. So if nothing else, I think this backfires uh, PR-wise on the NFL. Like it seems like everything does for them. 
uh, in the past couple of years, but they want an integrity fee to keep the uh, sport clean, uh, referees and players and things like that. It's just it's, it's asinine. For the NBA, I think there, it's going to be uh, important for Adam Silver for uh, for referees uh, to uh, to look at so a Tim Donaghy situation doesn't happen again to where he had talked about he was throwing games or uh, manipulating calls to cover point spreads. So I think that the uh, the integrity of the referees will be the most important. A lot of these guys, you look at the pro athletes, man, unless they're in deep or there's something major going on with them, they make enough money where uh, a bookie throwing 100 grand at them isn't going to make a big difference. So it's the referees, I think, that will be the biggest concern. And I think that, uh, you know, with the NHL, with the Vegas Golden Knights, they've proven that a sports team can not only thrive in that city, but be uh, be free of what everybody's worried about with all the gambling. So I think the uh, – the other states passing these uh, sports gambling laws and allowing it will uh, make it uh, more prevalent for more teams to be there. I, I would I would think you would see an, an NBA team there within the next four or five years. The Raiders join here in a couple of years, and you get the Vegas Golden Knights too much success. So uh, <clears throat> if nothing else, I think it helps the pro sports teams in Vegas as well. Well, we know the players are going to get a cut because sponsorships fall under uh, basketball-related income, or BRI as they call it, and players get a 50% of that money. So there's going to be some sponsorships involved in that. You know, Mark Cuban said that it was been very outspoken, uh, you know, in favor of the legalized sports gambling, said Monday that the the Supreme Court justice uh, ruling doubled the value of professional sports team, sports franchises in a second. Now, here's my thing, and I know I'm going to be that old man, get off my lawn, okay? So if this is such a good thing, if this is what we're going to, if this is the trend we're going to, and we're getting in line with the rest of the world, if you will, and if, we, if we're to believe what Mark Cuban says, and we know that, that players can get a cut, first of all, first of all, what keeps players from doing a Pete Rose? And then second of all, double that question up, let's get Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame now. Let's do it. Let's get it over with. Mo? So what keeps players from doing this, uh, pro players, uh, is the fact that when a large bet comes in like that, it's heavily scrutinized, right? So if I'm a, if I'm a player and I'm looking to on my team or what have you, and a bet that large comes in for it to make sense for them, it, it, it's heavily scrutinized. So, uh, you know, with the technology now is so much different than it was when Pete Rose was doing it, it would be instantly, I think, uh, you know, noticed. And, you, again, look at it. These players have so much to lose when you look at what they make now as opposed to what they made then. And, you know, it's it's just an asinine thing for them to do because it, I think it's so much easier caught now. And it's uh, – would you give up a $12 million a year salary to make hundred grand on a couple of bets? I wouldn't. So it, it's it's going to be tracked down when large bets come in now uh, where they come from, whether it be an associate of the family or what have you. So uh, I'm not too worried about that. I mean, and honestly, for Pete Rose, he should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago, I think, and just not able to – to hold a job in Major League Baseball. For the teams, as far as doubling their, their worth, you know, I, I think Cuban's on the money within the next 10 years. I think it does help double the worth of these franchises. I think you'll see, uh, you know, a gambling lounge like they have in soccer overseas uh, at some of these arenas or some of these stadiums. And uh, with the amount of money that will pour in on it from these other states where these pro leagues will get a cut, I think it will easily uh, raise the value of these franchises a ton. So if you look at it this week where the Carolina Panthers sold for $2.2 billion, it, uh, Five or ten years from now, that'll seem like a bargain. Well, absolutely, Rick, you're up. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts? Question from Mo on 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 the gambling or or anything for that matter. 
All right, so uh, one of the rumors that, that I've heard, and this is Sports Talk Radio rumors, and this is a perfect platform for it. So uh, uh, for the, the NFL anyway, they're always behind and always have this big debacle and everything. And, but talk about the players be getting a cut of this. Uh, I've already just been hearing that the, the NFL Players Association anyway won't get a cut because – the NFL is already looking into using whatever money they were going to use for the NFLPA to uh, put that towards like an anti-tampering, kind of like a, a security, basically, to keep uh, officials from tampering with games and whoever else could be involved with the outcomes of games. So is that something that you, you've heard, a rumor or anything like that? So what it is is the it, it's not they're not taking from the NFLPA money. What they are is they're wanting to charge these states what's called an integrity fee. And so each state that participates in sports gambling will have to pay a certain percentage to the league uh, for their integrity fee to, in order to try to do this program, not from the NFLPA. So the money that the, that the NFL disperses to franchises as the cut of this uh, will, will affect players in as far as, you know, what, what football-related incomes that they do get already guaranteed from the, uh, from the uh, league and from their contracts. So it, it doesn't affect them as far as that goes. The, NFL, the NFLPA is a separate entity. Uh, what most of their <clears throat> their money does is help defend players uh, in legal matters or in disputes with teams or uh, taking care of, uh, of retired players that have faced uh, you know life-threatening injuries or injuries from football. So the integrity fee is something that they're looking to charge the states for, and not the uh, not the NFLPA. They're looking to charge the states this integrity fee. Now, where the money's dispersed between franchises and the NFLPA because it's not in the current, obviously, collective bargaining agreement because it will be something new. So there could be some disparity between the NFL and the NFLPA, but as far as the players go, the players will see their cut from their uh, football-related income, what's, the, what's dispersed to the teams. So, so Mo, uh, and, and we're certainly going to be watching this, but let me ask you this. Is this going to change the way that fans view the game? I mean, because there's, there's always been this conspiracy, let's face it. Well, we're in the NBA Finals now. There's always been that conspiracy that refs are being paid, uh, players are being paid. And we remember back in the days when, uh, you know, teams were taking dives and you talk about the integrity fee, you talk about this. Are, are fans going to suffer from the aspect or are we just feeding this conspiracy theory fuel? Do you really think everybody's going to be up and up and honest? I mean, how are they going to, how are they going to uh, enforce – uh, how are they going to keep? How are they going to keep it clean? Other than just saying, "Oh, well, you got this integrity fee. It's a, it's a, it's a fee you're going to have to pay. That's going to keep your integrity." I think there's a lot of fans out there that say uh, this is going to increase the chances. And I'm just playing the devil's advocate here. Uh, I'm actually for it, but I'm playing the devil's advocate here that this is actually going to increase the chances where you're going to see teams taking dives and you're going to see uh, teams and players uh, uh, it, it kind of going back to the way that it used to be. And, and what, what assurance does the fans have that it's not going to go back to the way that things used to be in the old days? Well, the people who feel that way are 100% wrong, and here's why. So to, to, as a fan, it's naive to sit here and think now that, that there aren't billions of dollars that are exchanged uh, under the table illegally right now or overseas. Uh, so now, if anything, it's going to help these franchises and things stay more on the up and up because now it's going to be federally and statewide regulated. So if anything, there's going to be more checks and balances. Now, you know, last year in the Super Bowl, you know what, some of the words of $100 billion were bet on that one game. And do you think it was all in Vegas? Hell no, it wasn't. It was illegally 
locally here in the States and overseas. So if anything now, it's just going to be regulated to where there's more check and balances, more rules to where it's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be people who will be able to sniff out those kind of things. What's still happen? Yeah, it still happens today. It's happened for the past 20 years. You just don't hear much about it because it all happens underground. So now it'll be easier, I think, for people to uh, catch these folks doing it because, you know, so much of it is regulated now. So if anything, it's better for sports because for people to sit back and think, oh, gosh, gambling's legal now. It's going to just be the Wild West again. No, it's, it's never stopped. The gambling has never stopped. It's just been done illegally for so long. So now it'll be legally with the uh, with people regulating it as opposed to now where it's just, uh, it's just going on, you know, my hand, from my hand to your hand, if we're betting uh, illegally. Uh, Rick, go ahead. Uh, any final thoughts on the gambling thing? We're going to move into the uh, NBA playoffs. Uh, no final thoughts. I was just going to say, I can't wait for all these buildings to pop up. We already have a casino here anyway in Evansville, but I would like to see like an ex- a separate building, kind of like an OTB. If you guys are, I know Mo's probably been, Tom, I'm sure you've been, uh, a bunch of TVs, watch all these different races. It's almost like a B-Dose for horse racing. I can't wait for buildings to pop up that are like that for the sports betting. Uh, I think that would be totally cool, totally fun. Uh, I'd like to get into some of that action myself, actually. But uh, uh, Just seeing these uh, buildings and everything pop up, I think it would be great. Well, we need to get uh, we need to get uh, some sponsorship going on with some of these casinos going on. Uh, so, Rick, we, we need to get on that so we can get our cut of the pie. Our cut of the pie. That's right. That's why uh, I said I want some of that action. <laughs> so, so Mo, you, you never did answer my question. We got to circle back around here. Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame? Yes? No? Yes. All yeah, favor say he yes. Been in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, years ago. I mean, he should have been Hall of Fame years ago. Like I said, just not allowed. I think to have a uh, to have a job in Major League Baseball. He should have been in the Hall of Fame. Again, we're supposed to judge what people do on the field, and this was off the field, so just don't allow him to hold a job. He should have been in the Hall of Fame years ago. So, well, 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 we get to the playoffs. Here we are, uh, game four, the Boston Celtics uh, uh, against the, the Cavaliers. The Boston leads uh, the, the, the series, I believe, 3-0, I think. They, they lead the series. 2-0. Either which way, LeBron, 2-0, okay. LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers have shown up to brew nothing. And I think a lot of people believe that the Cavaliers weren't on point to go to another championship they're not going to get past the Boston Celtics? I don't think so. What are your thoughts? Let's break this down. I think that Le- LeBron James, great player, yes. Is he going to be with the Cavaliers next year? No. Uh, are they going to get past the Boston Celtics? No. So to me, the Cleveland Cavaliers are nothing more than a mediocre basketball team with a great player. Thoughts? Well, I mean, that's, that's the last part's true. They're a mediocre basketball team with the best player in the NBA, but terrible on the road this far in the playoffs and just to look at what vegas thinks vegas has the cavaliers as a favorite tonight at home uh, against the celtics so uh you know I, I would i would keep if it were me i would keep uh, uh your money on the Cavs tonight i don't think lebron loses it at home uh you know but if you look forward to the nba finals boston versus golden state seems like a better matchup uh as far as lebron leaving the Cavs, i mean I, i'm probably I was 50-50 on it uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I'm probably more 60-40 that he stays, and, and here's why. Uh, obviously, the East is an easier route to the finals every year, so I don't think he goes West. I don't think uh, Philadelphia, the, the mojo for them would be the same with LeBron there, obviously. And I think that there's some ways that they can overhaul this roster uh, with the, the pick they have uh, and with some free agents that are now available uh, or about to be available to, uh, to change this roster. And I don't think LeBron wants the PR hit again of leaving Cleveland 
I mean, if you look at uh, at what he's not only done for this team, but done what he does for the city, I think no no athlete in any sport anywhere has had the type of impact on the city that LeBron James has, uh, save maybe Peyton Manning a few years ago. But Indianapolis wasn't as much in trouble as, as Cleveland was until LeBron came back. So I, I think it's more it's probably 60-40 now that LeBron stays with the Cavs, but uh, his fingers uh, will be all over the uh, tampering of this roster from the offseason. But uh, tonight, my money's on the Cavs. Boston's been terrible on the road uh, so far in the playoffs, and you got LeBron back at home, and I think that uh, we've seen an amazing performance from him tonight. Well, you know, I think it'll be amazing to see Brad Stevens in Boston uh, get past the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's going to be huge. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts? Uh, uh, LeBron James, great player. Cleveland Cavaliers, mediocre team. What are your thoughts on the Cleveland on the on the Eastern Championship here, Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers? Well, I have a question for Mo. Uh, it's uh, do you hear Laurel or Yanni? Because I don't hear either one. <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you what yeah, I hear here so, in a minute. So the so if you go back to the Reddit user who originally started the whole thing. Uh, it, it's just playing with the sound waves at one point. So it actually is Laurel that he was saying. Uh, but uh, depending on how you tweak the uh, the sound waves of it, it, it does come out, Yanni. All right. I, I hear <laughs> down 0-2 to a team without Kyrie or Hayward. That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely what it is. <laughs> so, Rick, are you saying when you watch the NBA, all you do is Yanni? <laughs> hey, I, I'm not the biggest NBA fan but I do I do enjoy uh, watching the playoffs it, it's really exciting I, I actually think what LeBron is doing in the playoffs even though Jordan has a six titles uh, I actually LeBron done, has done more impressive uh, this cast team ain't even a playoff team without LeBron and he's got them in the Eastern Conference finals you know once again so uh, I, I, I you have to recognize greatness you know and I just think when it's all said and done and we can start the argument here, carry it into the future, because it's always going to be debated. Uh, I think all said and done, LeBron is actually going to be uh, probably ahead of Jordan. Well, that debate will go on to infinity and beyond. Uh, at the beginning of the season, Mo, I ask you, do you think the Golden State Warriors are the best team in the NBA? Do you still think that? Yeah, I do, because no team, no matter how good they are, including the Houston Rockets, the Rockets that match up well with them, uh, so I think what's going to wind up happening now because uh, of of the way that Golden State moves the basketball and shoots the basketball, uh, that they've they've kind of rendered uh, Clint Capella useless so far uh, in the series. And you, you can't uh, you can have a rim stopper, but it doesn't uh, do you much good if you can't uh, continue to shoot the ball great from outside. We saw it not work for them so well in, in in game one. The Rockets made some adjustments in game two and then wound up winning that basketball game. But you know. Uh, even a, a 90%, 80% Steph Curry uh, is still better than you know three fourths of the Houston Rockets uh, roster. Kevin Durant is is unguardable. Uh, you know it, it's so hard to guard a guy who's that big, that long, with that wingspan who can shoot the outside shot as well as uh, drive the ball to the basket. And it's an unselfish team. You know you've got three of the best shooters uh, in NBA history with Klay Thompson and, and Durant and Curry. And uh, you know you can factor in Draymond Green and. The, the play that they get from the bench and a couple of the young guys that they've uh, drafted. It, it's a, it's a damn good basketball team, uh, you know, factor in uh, the coaching of Steve Kerr. And on the other side that you've got Mike D'Antoni, who is, uh, uh, you know, newer to uh, this far, being this far in the playoffs. Uh, it's a fun offense, but I just, I don't think that uh, that Houston uh, or anybody in the NBA right now can keep up 
with the ball movement and the speed of uh, of Golden State. You know, they they let you get back in the games at times, and they make you feel like you're coming back, and they just pour it back on again. So it's very fun to watch the ebbs and flows of the uh, Golden State offense. Well, I, I would love to see something new and different. So I'm just, as a fan, I'm going to root for Boston and the Rockets in the NBA Finals. I'm going to watch uh, ESPN and TNT uh, curl up in the fetal position and cry because they're losing so much money, uh, and it's all going to be good, and life goes on. So we, we will see how that all pans out. This has been our bump edition, bump day edition, and bump day at the track. There won't be any balance extra today because as soon as this show's over, I'm headed out to the track to catch back up with Matthew Embry, uh, who spent the first hour and a half with us breaking down all 33 cars 35 cars uh and we've got, we've got an actual bump day mo uh we don't talk a lot of indycar with you i know i've been sharing some action from the track with you this week uh but what are your thoughts on the indianapolis 500 this year it's not over yet um no you know it's uh, <laughs> it's nice to see that at least one race is attended at the uh, indianapolis motor speedway of the two big races uh you know i think the concern for me for racing is more uh, you know, obviously this is the time of year where IndyCar really gets their big bump. But overall, you know, if you look how far ahead NASCAR was, uh, you know, just five or ten years ago, the fact that, uh, you know, attendance is at an all-time low from from its high. Ratings are at a low from where its high was uh, seven or eight, nine, ten years ago. You've got a lot of the major stars that are gone. So I'm not as concerned anymore about IndyCar as I am about the, uh, the health of NASCAR with the rumors of the France family then selling. Uh, so if I'm IndyCar right now, I think I'm feeling a little bit better about myself uh, watching the uh, the big brother who always looked down on us uh, is, is struggling so bad. So I think uh, for IndyCar, I think that a great showing and an exciting 500 uh, will definitely help them. You know, this is a time where you want to uh, to put your best foot forward when you get the most eyes of the year on your sport. Uh, so I, I think, uh, you know, a good, fun, exciting race will definitely uh, help uh, IndyCar as they continue to watch NASCAR free fall uh, beside them. Absolutely, and I'm going to be excited to be out there at the track and uh, uh, stick with us on social media. I'm going to catch up with Matthew Embry. We're going to be doing some live uh, live Twitters, uh, which, by the way, guys, if you didn't know, it's just Periscope on Twitter, but that's okay. Uh, we have a lot of fun with that, uh, and we're going to do some Facebook Live a- as well. So we're going to be headed out to the track. We'll start with you, Rick. Final words of wisdom uh, that you may want to uh, partake upon us, sir. Uh, my final words is uh, thank you to all of our service uh members all, all of our veterans uh are really are our true heroes here in our country today is a uh, national armed forces day so big thank you to everybody served and currently serving absolutely it- you're right, and thanks for that tweet, hashtag Armed Forces Day. We do support our troops as well. Uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, breaking down the new legalized betting for us today and helping us understand what that means as a fan and what that means to teams. Mo, what is your final words of wisdom that you want to partake upon us, sir? Well, there's no way I can do that. You're cutting out, buddy. What would you say? There's no way I can outdo what Rick said, so what he said. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Mo, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? Uh, on Twitter, at Mo Radio Show. All right. Well, guys, that's going to wrap it up and put a bowl on it. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. We'll catch up with you next week. Make sure you're following us on uh, The Balance at T-Balance. Thanks to Rick Riggin, our executive producer in the war room. My name is Tom Marquis. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. We'll see you next week right here on The Balance Radio Network. Tonight. Yeah.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.